Many people often wonder what is the meaning of my existence? What is it for? Well, since I was born, since I'm here, it means that I'm needed for something. And what is my mission? Well, your mission, my friend, is exactly to return home. And home is one for all. What does it mean, the lotus of the utmost boundary? And that's where the entire phenomenon is. When a person is spiritually free, he understands the essence of people. And the most interesting thing is that, as I've already said, until just a short while ago such a phenomenon didn't exist. And many people feel this and wonder why, what is it? After all, it is clearly stated, and when you know, when you have the keys, then you will open any door, and especially such an almost open door as the Quran, for Maji said about it there. This is not a science fiction at all, this is reality, which is basically accessible to any person who is able to calm down shaitans in his head, at least a little bit, and who is able to direct his gaze inwards. Whatever people describe, they merely describe the earthly. But those who follow the spiritual path begin to feel and understand how blissful this really is. And what happiness is, and what God's love is, it cannot be compared to anything else. Greetings, dear friends! In our program today we will talk with the esteemed Igor Mikhailovich Danilov. Greetings! and with Elchin. Greetings. Igor Mikhailovich, the previous program, the service, has caused a wide resonance among people. And what's most valuable and most important, precisely a lively response from people. People have also sent a lot of letters and a lot of their stirring comments, feedback, questions. And many of them touched on the subject of Islam. People express hope that you will expand on these topics so they would be able to understand even more clearly what is actually Islam in its purity and beauty. So then, with your permission, I will start with the first question of people who adhere to not just Islam, other religions as well. What is heaven? And there is no understanding of this topic. Debates go on, and even theologians disagree, not to mention believers themselves. These are questions that are dedicated to the subject of heaven. What is heaven? People don't understand what heaven is, what's awaiting them there. Yet this is precisely the purpose of human life. It's the meaning of his life, it's his final destination, it is the way home. And what's interesting is that the Quranic description of heaven has created one of unresolved problems even for theologians, because on on the one hand, it is mentioned that the heaven is a place where Adam and his wife used to live. But on the other hand, it is said that heaven is what a righteous person will get after Judgment Day. How should we understand this? How may this, at first glance, contradiction be explained? There is absolutely no contradiction here. It's a different matter that clergy still can't come to an agreement whether heaven exists or it will be created later, after Judgment Day. There is precisely such a question. But, in fact, there is no contradiction here at all. When a human physical body dies, the person goes either to hell as a subpersonality or to heaven as an angel. But the issue is that to present-day theologists can't agree 
As you've already said, Adam was in heaven, so heaven does exist. But according to other sources of their information which they use, it is said that Muslims will go to heaven after Judgment Day. Hence, this means that heaven will be formed after Judgment Day. Well, and here a little misconceptions occurred. While in actual fact everything is simple, a commonplace lack of understanding and lack of knowledge, a little bit, let's say, it's just that people have forgotten the truth a bit. Much comes from the mind. Well, if we read what the clergy of many confessions say and what is written, why have I emphasized what the clergy say and what's written in their scriptures? After all, sometimes people interpret what they've read in their own way. In the previous program we, we specifically discussed the fact that they hear one thing, but after time passes already tell something completely different. And we proposed to our esteemed friends just to make an experiment, to try watching the video while making notes after each viewing, and to compare their insights. Just imagine, as we already talked about this also, what will happen if two or three people will tell each other. While, in actual fact, the scriptures were composed many years after the death of the sources themselves, right? Third of the broken telephone game. Of course, that's where confusion came from. In fact, everything is very simple, and again, the topic of that very Judgment Day, well, it seems to me it's quite acute and there is a lack of understanding among people. For example, in that very Islam, there are ongoing disputes about the notion that we were born twice and we will die twice. Why did this happen? Well, when they were told about subpersonality, it was said that they would be, well, like in Christianity, they would go through purgatory and so on. And at the beginning of the formation of Islam itself, when the Prophet, peace be upon him, was telling about this, he was telling exactly about several stages and was telling about the person being as if in hell, in a certain state. But after the judgment, the sinner will die. That is, the judgment day means the end. And here, many have a lack of understanding. I think it's worthwhile for us to expand on this subject at least a little bit. What is, let's say, death of a human being, right? It is death of a physical body, but a human is not a physical body. And again, human consciousness is a part of the system itself, or the demonic part, or a part of the beast, as they say. But the human is a personality. It is that divine part in him that forms thanks to the fact that he has a soul. That is, the soul comes after the birth of a body. After all, when a baby is born, a soul moves in on the eighth day. And much is said about this in ancient religions. Basically, we have talked about this a lot. There are observations of when changes are happening, also at the level of various rhythms of the brain, though it's not the subject of today's program. But this happens precisely on the eighth day, and that's when a personality appears. But up until the eighth day, it's a creature that in no way differs from, say, that very animal. It is spiritualized, but not soul-filled. 
Yes, and today many don't understand what consciousness is, what personality is, how they are interconnected, and what the difference is. There is no understanding of what a brain is and what consciousness is, both primary and secondary consciousness. Not to mention the spiritual component of a human personality. People just confuse. Again, why do they confuse? Due to atheistic views. After all, when a baby is developing, primary consciousness is developing as well, meaning, as they say, the animal brain or the reptilian brain. Well, differently. Brain and consciousness are different things. It especially manifests itself, well, more obviously in people, let's put it that way, than in animals. Primary consciousness precisely relates to that part which contacts the personality directly via the neural group. Once again, I emphasize, via the neural group. There is still a certain space between consciousness and personality. Whereas secondary consciousness, we've already talked a lot about this, we won't repeat ourselves too much, but secondary consciousness is precisely those shaitans that whisper, the demons that tell stories. But they tell stories to whom? I mean, information is received by primary consciousness, while primary consciousness conveys it to personality, and the personality already finances it with its attention. In other words, by putting our attention into one or another piece of information, we force it to come true. So, after the death of a physical body, if a person has achieved this liberation during his life, let's put it simply, and he becomes free, free from what? free from death in the first place. Meaning, he becomes the one who was called an angel in the past. Naturally, he goes to heaven, he becomes a part of the spiritual world, a part of God. And here questions arise again, right? What does it mean, a part of God? A part of the spiritual world, as his integral part. But if a person, let's say, had sinned, and was Satan's puppet in this life, and all his actions were aimed at pleasing his selfishness, which once again is instilled in him by consciousness, while many living their life don't even know that there is also a divine part in them, then such people become subpersonalities. A subpersonality is described well in that very Quran. Well, and in other religions too, there are mentions of it in that very Christianity. I do understand that, of course, all these stories, through a variety of different interpretations, well, it has assumed a form that's not quite recognizable. There is no direct description, although, once again, it depends. After all, it is clearly stated, and when you know, when you have the keys, then you will open any door, and especially such an almost open door as the Quran, for much is said about it there. Going back to the state of subpersonality, a personality, together with consciousness, gets into a state, as it is described, of nowhere, meaning neither in heaven nor in, well, nor in hell, nowhere at first. But this at first lasts a very short period of time. And so after successful resuscitation or something else, when coming back into the physical body, 
Some people tell about these strange states where they went. Some don't notice this at all. Here again, everything depends on how developed a personality is and how active its primary consciousness is. Why? Because at the moment of this transition, if the person is not really free, if he lived more to Satan's dictation, then naturally he notices almost nothing. For him, it's like the light has been turned off and on. But if a person is freer spiritually, then at the first stage, personality still has a certain connection with primary consciousness. Thus, it turns out that intentionally or not, he remembers the first steps before complete disconnection occurs. Well, that's how this functions, let's say. So, if a person hasn't earned the heavenly state, then fusion takes place, or let's say, a subpersonality is formed. A subpersonality is that same personality that hasn't accomplished its mission that it's here for. And naturally, its consciousness remains. Well, this is that state of hell as it is described, or dwelling in hell. Well, it's not a very enviable position, of course, for a subpersonality. Right. In that very Quran, it's told about the sinner states, meaning about subpersonalities in the invisible world, what state they will experience being near the soul. And hell, Jahannam, is compared to fire, to inferno, to an abyss. Quite right. Yes. And here it's told how the suffering of a subpersonality intensifies every time upon reincarnation, that is, when one body is changed for another one. And, for instance, in Surah 4, Ayah 56 of the Qur'an, it's told about sinners in hell. Well, we won't frighten anyone, we won't tell. It has been written a lot and told much about this, and we had programs where we discussed this in detail. Here I just want to put it simply. A human gets directly into the state of subpersonality. The subpersonality abides next to the soul. It can neither escape nor get free, nothing. And it goes through reincarnation together with the soul, meaning it moves into another body. The soul hasn't gotten free, it hasn't become an angel. As a part of an angel, the divine part, naturally, it goes through reincarnation. And that's where confusion arises as to who gets reincarnated. A human? or the soul. After all, many have this attitude that the soul is them. Well, are you really the soul? No. You can become the soul when you merge and become a single whole with it. But until a person has become free, until this fusion happens, well, it's natural that he doesn't have any idea what the soul is, and many don't even know that it exists. So. When a person has become a subpersonality, getting reincarnated together with the soul, because he's located right next to the soul, he feels and understands his state, his condition. After all, much is being revealed to him, and he understands hopelessness, and he can feel what the new personality is doing. And that's where a paradox arises. Well, in support of the fact that reincarnations exist,
let's say, they are described all over. They are described both in the Quran and also in Islam. In the previous program, we've mentioned that this is talked about in Christianity too. At least it was talked about among the first Christians. Later on, it started to be erased intensively, allegedly because it's impossible. Well, other religions also mentioned this. Plenty of studies have been carried out by many let's say, people who were interested in this subject. And generally speaking, they have proved that when children tell about their past life, this is compared to the facts which a child, well, couldn't know at all. Well, in this way, it is ascertain that reincarnation does exist. But reincarnation of whom? And here, I'd just like to explain so that our friends wouldn't have misunderstandings. Why? people sometimes recall, especially children, or when certain techniques are correctly used, it is indeed possible to awaken, so to say, a subpersonality sleeping in a human being. And it can tell a lot about itself. There are such practices. Why does this happen? Because there is an immature personality, especially in a child, and a strong subpersonality, meaning a person performs some magic or really practiced I emphasize, practiced some religion, tried to come to God. However, he just tried and practiced it, but didn't live by this. And so he became a subpersonality. But he does have certain power, he does have certain activity. While a subpersonality, well, basically, just like any being, just like any animal driven into a corner, is quite active and seeks life. That is, well, for a simple understanding, one can just lie down, relax, so as to forget about the body. That's what the state of subpersonality roughly is. That is, consciousness is working, you remember everything and know everything, desires remain, but there is no body. Well, that's how it is. And in addition, there are some pseudo-physical sensations. This is, you know, like when a leg has been amputated, but phantom limb pain remains. So, a phantom sensation of the body remains and continues in people through the ages, but simply there is no body. Hence, there is pain, burning, well, and many similar things that have been described. Meaning this very state of burning fire, right. which is experienced. Therefore, it turns out that a subpersonality gets reincarnated from a body into a body until it's finally annulled completely either when a personality gets liberated or after Judgment Day. Every new personality which hasn't got liberated again becomes that very subpersonality, and there can be a great many of such subpersonalities, in fact. Well, this is again confirmed via practices and special techniques, like I've said, when a person is brought into a certain state, and quite a lot of former subpersonalities may be found in one person, there certainly happen spontaneous manifestations as well. And it's well described about Billy Milligan, well, and many other cases like that. They are well familiar to psychiatrists. They just don't know how to explain such cases when a personality is indeed, let's say, replaced by other personalities. And the person changes completely. He knows languages which he has never studied, and there are many other characteristics, and everything changes. Well, this is really so. You cannot argue with that. It's already science, it's already facts. What happens after the judgment? They say there is the judgment, the terrible or last judgment, when everyone will be judged. Well, in actual fact, everything's much simpler. If humanity doesn't deserve to exist further, then 
a decision is made and humanity ceases to exist. All souls return, and this is also described. They gather together and return to their home. Well, naturally, in such case, all subpersonalities just well, they die, get annulled completely, meaning in this case the information is erased. Well, this is in modern language, in order to make it clearer. Also, if we go back to the topic of heaven, it turns out that this topic is very important for believers, because heaven is actually that refuge where a human being should come. This is the meaning of his life. Well, it's the meaning of religion itself and the meaning of existence of a human being. Many people often wonder, what is the meaning of my existence? What is it for? Well, since I was born, since I'm here, it means that I'm needed for something. And what is my mission? Well, your mission, my friend, is exactly to return home. And home is one for all. And it's you who choose whether you live or die. Whereas this intermediate state of existence, what we call life, is exactly given for your choice, for you to make a decision. I would also like to talk about that home, about what awaits the righteous one. Right. You mean the description of heaven? The description of heaven, yes. It's just that it's sort of very contradictory. In any religion, whichever one we take, all this is described as a fairy tale, and everything is always tied to matter. Why? Though there are also clear indications of those natural states that will be there, and what awaits a person is specified. But at the same time, shaitan has also whispered, as for me, for example, in Islam, if we speak the earthly language, we will allow ourselves such a joke. There is an understanding of heaven and what awaits a Muslim after death. Well, let's say, if one has to choose between Christianity and Islam, based on earthly life, on our customary existences, so since we are representatives of the male gender, I like Islam more. <laughs> we can voice what awaits a person there, as consciousness sees it. Well, let's voice it. You must agree that it's hard to argue with that. The fact that inhabitants of heaven will be lying on embroidered beds, that they will be decorated with silver jewelry, and heavenly huris will also await them there. And then what? The righteous ones will be given ever young spouses, either their own ever young spouses, or the heavenly maidens, approximately 72 huris. So, one or the other? Both. So, there will be both? Yes, yes. 72. The spouses were not forgotten. And the age of the inhabitants of heaven will be about 33 years old. I'm telling you, there is something to think about. Quite young, full of energy and… You know, somehow such an idle life is depicted which has a lot in common with the video that was recently released. With dreams of an ordinary, common, I would even say an older, advanced age person. There is a funny hadith on this topic, where it is said that the Prophet allegedly told his followers that a man could be with a woman a certain number of times there. And when the followers asked, all the Messenger of Allah, really so many times, he said, yes, the power of a hundred men is given him there. And there is such an understanding that some people… Just dreams of the system. Yes, they are simply voicing their unfulfilled dreams. Of course. Their desires. Here you are absolutely right, to put it simply.
On one hand, it's understandable that these are dreams, these are desires, this is an attempt to seduce a person, to attract him somehow with something, that here you don't have it and there you will. But what about the statement and understanding, which has existed from time immemorial in all religions, that an angel is an asexual being? And now imagine, you have no gender, you have no body, for the body is a material part, while all matter belongs to Satan, all of it. Only the Spirit belongs to God, for the Spirit is God and everything divine is the Spirit. There is no gender, there is no body. And here a little question arises. What will you be lying on pillows with? And what do you need these beautiful 72 maidens for? If you are a spirit. If you are the spirit. And if… Here we are talking about a Muslim man, but what about a Muslim woman? Will she also have 72 maidens? Spouses. Then questions arise. Will it be the last one? Will they only get spouses? Or if there were several spouses, then… Yes, it's better for men in Islam, after all. Unfortunately, women have been a little bit deprived even in this regard, the fact that… You mean in promises, don't you? Yes. Well, God is indeed merciful. He doesn't deprive anyone. It is us people who divide into women and men. We divide into Islam, Christianity, Buddhism or something else. God has no divisions. Well, here we divide not only into Islam and Christianity, we also divide Islam and divide Christianity. And in that very Christianity we say, don't go to that church, it's bad there. And in that very Islam we say this too. It turns out that all people, they are God's one creation. We all pray to one and the same God, but we are divided. That's the trouble, of course. It is interesting that in the Hadith the Prophet said that what the righteous will receive is impossible to describe and impossible to understand by means of some ordinary human conceptual apparatus. It's impossible. Yes, that… This is really so, because there is nothing to compare to. Everything that we have here, we have it all temporarily, and all of it belongs, I'm saying once again, to Satan. The only thing that belongs to the spiritual world is our soul, not us. For us to become a part of the spiritual world as well, we need to use this life correctly and righteously. And in such case, we'll have a chance to belong to the spiritual world, to become its integral part. However, for this, one should work on oneself. Nothing will happen without effort. Igor Mikhailovich, a lot is also said about the way to heaven. And in various religions, they even describe that there will be a sort of multi-step pyramid, in Islam, in the Qur'an, it is told about the peak crown with the lotus of the utmost boundary. Well, could you expand on this a bit? This actually originates from ancient understandings of what a human being is, which were based on exceptional ideas and knowledge. As of today, unfortunately, we don't have such equipment. It simply doesn't exist as such, so as to record, as they say, the structure of a human being himself, his energy structure. and. After all, a human, well, by the energy structure, has a pyramidal shape, in fact. However, when he reaches the lotus of the utmost boundary, the structure changes. Well, this has been told about. It's nicely described in the Alatra book. It's a fact, which you cannot argue with, because it's also depicted in the most ancient religions. And again, in this case, the very pyramid may be regarded 
as stages of advancement of a person himself, or as Jacob's ladder, which leads to the heavens, right? And consists of steps. This may also be regarded as a personality which is evolving and striving for God while ascending, so to say, from one dimension to another. And when it reaches the seventh dimension, it's exactly when it reaches the lotus of the utmost boundary. What does it mean, the lotus of the utmost boundary? It's a very old meditation technique, which, well, it is called in different ways. Some people call it meditation, although it's actually a spiritual practice, and it has nothing to do with any of the religions of the world. But all saints do learn it in various ways, prayerful states, meditations, but it's the only way, let's say, of communication with God, meaning through the inner state. It's a contact through feelings. However, here it turns out that when a person is evolving precisely in practices or in those very prayers, in Jesus' prayer or in other ones, or perceives through the very namas, through penance, thinking about Allah all the time, the person generates his love for Him. After all, in Islam much was said about love. Yes. And this way a person creates perception through feelings for himself, directed not outward, but into his inner state. And as a personality he approaches the soul, and it's the shortest way to God, because the soul is a gate to heaven, as they say, right? And once he has reached the seventh dimension, it is precisely the lotus of the utmost boundary. Why? Because it's the summit of the lotus practice. That is, the lotus of the utmost boundary is transition to the Divine State, meaning transition to the spiritual world. Everything's very simple. Well, then everything is revealed. But again, it is revealed from the state of the seventh dimension, or is already an exit, well, let's say, to the spiritual world. However, one loses understanding and vision of the earthly, three-dimensional world. It's like, in the previous program we gave an example of a lotus that is growing from a swamp, from these muddy waters. This is similar to, one has escaped from the earthly, mundane swamp to the living and infinite. Igri Mikhailovich, you've just said that in order to attain such a state, a person can attain this state through both namaz and spiritual practices. Through prayer. Well, that's exactly how people perceive. And it's interesting that when they say that Allah looks at the state of a person's heart, that Allah will not look at people's faces. And this is really so. That is imposed. It pleases the clergy. Pardon me, I have nothing against it, honestly. But it's just that this manipulation comes from ancient times. When they tell that God sees your every step, it's not God who sees, it's Satan who sees. And here, gods are mixed up. Well, everyone has their own God. For atheists and sinners, Satan is God. For faithful people, say, for Muslims, their God, Allah, is God. And everyone goes his own way. Everyone chooses the path he wants to live. However, I emphasize, God cannot see the dead. It doesn't exist. It seems to us that we exist. Here we can offend each other. We can cause pain and suffering to one another. However, this remains here, it's beyond the alive, it's not interesting to anyone except Satan. That's how he holds us here, and he multiplies this evil. But again, what does he do this through? Through us. 
with our tongue and our hands. Isn't it so? Yes. Well, isn't it so, my friends? After all, he doesn't approach you and force you to make one or another decision. He just throws a thought to you, my friend. But it's you who implement evil. You begin to think badly about others. You start exalting and praising yourself. You cause pain and suffering to someone and take offense at others when they do the same to you. Why do you take offense? Because you feel hurt, your pridefulness has been wounded. And that's where the entire phenomenon is. When a person is spiritually free, he understands the essence of people. He understands how Satan acts. He knows when he's spiritually free, he cannot be offended. At least at the little angel who is in an extremely difficult condition and to whom Satan dictates. Yet what is Satan? It's merely written programs. And here again, there is a phenomenon. And what you've said is also mentioned in the Quran. In the ayat, it spells out that Satan instilled his thought in them, and they believed in it. Right. Except for some believers. And here it talks about what I was saying. Satan instills a thought. The thought belongs to Satan, and he instills a certain thought in a personality and the personality finances and implements it. How does a believer differ from a non-believer? A believer, well, or as we say, a person who follows the spiritual path, he must work on himself. He must, first of all, study how the system works, meaning study Satan, from where and what thoughts come and how to withstand them. When Satan tells you, insult a friend, you should understand that the same thought has come to the friend. And once either of you gets tempted, gets offended, you will no longer be friends, you become enemies. Whom is it convenient for? For Satan. Only for Satan. Only for Satan. And in fact, all the evil on earth comes from this very thing. Humanity has one enemy, it is Satan. While we are all brothers and sisters, in fact, only Satan divides us. But he doesn't divide through something or someone, he divides through us through our deeds, our actions, through our words. And it's from here that everything grows. Satan's tool is you, my friend. As long as we obey. As long as you listen to this Satan. Yes, as the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said, your worst enemy is your nafs, which is inside you. That's why he was a prophet. Yes. He knew the essence. Also interesting that in Islam there is such a concept as ihsan, right? This pure state of expression of sincere love towards Allah. Sincere. When you invisibly express the most sincere feelings towards Allah, when you are shrouded in feelings of infinite love towards Him. How to understand this spiritual inner state and how to achieve the spiritual purity for a human being? and right. how to understand this vision. This is precisely the inner Alatra. Yet what is Alatra? As we have mentioned more than once, it is God's power which a person feels, which is generated in him, and it increases. But again, this takes place only when a person is working on himself. 
He doesn't wait until it comes to him from somewhere, it won't come. In order to perceive this, one needs to work, really work, to reject bad thoughts, to not even let them into one's head, to let only creative thoughts in. This is the very first step. And then there is more. Then there is perception through feelings. And then there is understanding of what love is and development of this understanding. And we've talked about this a lot too, that people don't know what love is. They know what lust is in the human world. They know what desires are or something else. But very few people know what love is. What's most important was actually distorted and substituted. Of course, while it is what's most important. While it is actually what's most important, and in every program it is actually mentioned, it is revealed. After all, this is the essence. And how do they substitute? Say, there were some people who, so to say, called themselves spiritual advisors, and who even said about Islam, that Islam is not a religion of love. They said, Islam is precisely a militant, and they refer to the Prophet's words. And they use it for their own purposes. Of course. As a tool. When he said, don't wait until they come to you, you must go and conquer other people until they adopt Islam. But, again, this is a perverted understanding of the very essence. And what did the Prophet, peace be upon him, say? And what did he mean? But here we again approach the understanding of service. After all, that very Muslim should understand that it's pointless to fight against a human. A human is a tool in the devil's hands, just like you and all the rest. There is only one party that you should fight with, and it's my, his, and everyone's duty. This is nafs. Absolutely right. Your egoism. Whereas by killing another person… It's Satan. Yes. You should fight with Satan, with this negativity. While by killing a human, you kill an angel. An angel that he or she is. Tell me, if you've killed an angel, will you get into heaven? A simple question. Even if that angel hasn't evolved yet. But there is another expression, and the Prophet, peace be upon him, also mentioned this. It's about those who are dead as personality, and their master is the devil, they are doomed. And they are like mad dogs. In the meaning of what is a mad dog, it's, well, an irreversibly sick animal which spreads infection. Well, and in view of that time, there was a suggestion to isolate them, so to say, from society, perhaps via not quite humane methods. Well, that was such a time. Igor Mikhailovich, we've now approached the topic which is also being seriously speculated about in mass media. It's the topic of jihad, the holy war. What is true jihad? True jihad. Didn't the Prophet talk about it? The sin is that… He has literally said that yes. the true jihad, the greater jihad is when a person is fighting with his egoism, with his nafs. Right. It's a war. Well, the lesser jihad is a war against Satan on the invisible side in order to help others. A person should first get through the greater one. However, this applies to everyone who calls himself a Muslim, 
Yes. And it's not a war with other people or with dissenters, although in actual fact they fight not with dissenters, but with those who can be conquered, from whom something material can be taken. What do people fight for? We don't take Muslims, we take everyone, and all people are the same. They fight over someone else's possessions so as to make them their own. Well, isn't that so? For the sake of what do people deceive each other? For the sake of taking possession of someone else's property. Although they cover this up with some slogans, some noble ideas. Quite right. And they often cover this up with religion. With the name of God, yes. As if it is pleasing to God. But is it really pleasing to God that… Well, let's put it this way. Just imagine, my friend, you have children. And suddenly it's pleasing to God that someone, some man comes and kills your children. Can you imagine that? Will you like it? If you don't like it, why should God like it? Interestingly, it turns out that the word jihad means precisely a person's diligence, and it is mentioned that jihad must be performed for spreading Islam. Definitely. But after all, Islam is… And here we come to an interesting point. The greater jihad means overcoming Satan in oneself. That's the most difficult and the first thing a person must do. It's impossible to open the gate without that, or rather, no one will open it in front of you. However, when overcoming Satan in yourself, you should also perform the lesser jihad. It's a need. When you feel that there is God, when you feel this, when you know it, when God's love is boiling in you, you'll be unable not to share it and hear the lesser jihad, which is in the second place, after the greater one, comes in meaning conveying, telling and showing it to others. That's why the Prophet, peace be upon him, said that Islam should be all over the world. But Islam… Not as name or as rights, but as the essence. Certainly, as God's love. And this should predominate in everything. And wasn't it said that, well, if God grants it, then if Islam predominates all over the world, then a woman can walk from Iraq to Syria. To Syria. Well, they were saying differently. And not a single animal will covet. Yes, that enmity will leave people's hearts. Not a single. And that if a woman walks from Iraq to Sham, to Syria, her every step will fall on a rich green grass, and she'll be able to show her adornments, and not a single animal will attack her, and she will not experience fear. And right here much has been said. Yet how do they interpret it? That she can wear adornments, and not a single animal. Well, in their interpretation, they mean ordinary animals, say dogs, cats, whatever other animals we have, will hurt her. However, it was the human animal as a constituent, integral part that was referred to. Why? And a different adornment was actually meant. And a different adornment was meant. Yet, why won't a single animal attack her? Because it will be tamed all over the world. Right. But actually, back then, it was also mentioned that no one would rule over anyone. Mm -hmm. This is also so. That is, one human won't rule over another human, but a human will rule over Satan, meaning over one's thoughts and everything. And then there will be harmony. Well, that's how it should be among people. We have also mentioned that in order to spread love all over the world, Islam all over the world, this jihad, diligence is necessary. But for this one should also understand the inner enemy which is inside a human, and so… And for this a person should study. 
and work on oneself diligently, not just perform namas in order to perform a particular number of them, and it will supposedly be taken into account. It won't be. And at the same time thinking of something else, of something mundane. Absolutely right. After all, this time is allocated, a person allocates it, for reminding himself of what's the most important. And for devoting himself completely. But he shouldn't lose this state. Namaz is something that once started must continue until a person opens the gate. It's ongoing. Right, until the heavenly gate is opened before the person. It's an ongoing state, while namaz is performed even more diligently, in order to intensify all that. And in daily life, during namaz, Satan mustn't interfere in his prayer at all, right? Certainly. And between namaz, a person should study how Satan influences him, how this takes place and why a person, even if he seems to know, all these tricks still falls under his power. Why is he being manipulated and controlled until he gets liberated? Yet, without getting liberated from Satan's fetters, a person won't be free. And can Satan's slave really enter the heavenly gate? A simple question. Certainly not. Therefore, there is a reason, there is something to work for and to what end. However, the reward, whatever people describe, they merely describe the earthly, but those who follow the spiritual path begin to feel and understand how blissful this really is, and what happiness is, and what God's love is. It cannot be compared to anything here. However, this is known to those who really strive for it, but not those who do nothing and lead an ordinary earthly life, just pleasing their pridefulness and dreaming of something greater. The latter know just one thing, that they They don't even know. They don't even know. That they are burying themselves. Yes. Unfortunately, Satan hides even this from them. Igor Mikhailovich, you have just said that namaz is an ongoing state. Of course. In which a person should abide. And you know, now I understand why believers sort of like this. Well, they do have an aspiration to perform namaz. But when they don't feel that internal which is unfolding, in that case, it's just a banal tradition, and for many it becomes a burden. Why do many people who call themselves, unfortunately, Muslims, not perform it? Because they don't see a point in it. For them it's a burden. Well, for them, life is wonderful in a different aspect. It's interesting, Igor Mikhailovich, that once you've said that if a person tried to focus his attention on a certain thought even for a little while, he would understand that he doesn't control thoughts. And indeed, there are a lot of questions and letters concerning namaz, concerning zikr practice, regarding the fact that a person cannot focus attention on practice for more than 15 seconds. And well, it's natural. this worries people, and there is no explanation or understanding of the inability to really control thoughts. The thing is that when a person tries to control consciousness by means of consciousness, it simply won't work. Once again, he will be deceived by those very demons. They will draw and tell him everything he wants in the best-case scenario, but he won't get the truth. After all, the first thing a person experiences on the way to the spiritual world is the resistance which Satan puts up against his actions, spiritual actions. Why do thoughts 
problems and distractions suddenly start arising, well, and tried unwillingness of your own consciousness, and even inner rejection of that very namas or prayer or the very practice or affairs that are more important appear right away. More important than what? More important than life? What kind of affairs? Earthly, temporary affairs? But isn't that so? What can be more important than communication here and now Certainly. with the spiritual world? And why is this so? Because people don't feel, and they do it with their mind. But the first steps have to be with the mind. How can it be otherwise? Although the entire point is not just in bowing down or banging one's head against the floor and imitating holiness, like physical training, right? But the point is, in overcoming Satan to such an extent as to throw all the demons in one's head and even the earthly body itself at Allah's feet, that's the point. Meaning, to force the demon to worship. To bow down. Right. To bow down before oneself, before the Personality, to bow down before Allah, that's who a Muslim is. It's possible to force another person who is weaker, but you should force the demon. Yes, not the one who defeats others is strong, but the one who defeats oneself. In this case, not oneself, but Satan in oneself. Satan in oneself, right. And here, look, that one is strong who defeats himself. A person unintentionally associates himself with consciousness, and you cannot defeat yourself. And such confusion arises again. Of course. After all, everything is based on contradictions and confusion. And such traps are created in which personality cannot gain freedom, especially by forcing people to perceive spiritual action through consciousness. But how can a person perform spiritual practice by means of Satan's tool, that is, by means of those very demons? In no way. It will be just a game. Well, do demons really pray to God? They have their own God, Satan. Their own God, yes. Yes. This very point which Tatiana has mentioned, that can there be anything more important than this aspiration, this unfolding before the spiritual world? Whereas it turns out that people waste years on religion, but no result emerges such. There's no this feeling. Inner connection with the spiritual world is not felt, but instead how they measure and what they are being told. If you have gained or earned something, God has given it to you. And if you have lost something, God has punished you. Well, so it turns out that a person… Meaning everything is measured by worldly things, isn't it? By satanic things. After all, who has power here? Satan has power, but not you. Although, if we even take and read the Quran carefully, in so many ayat it is actually said that worldly life is merely dust. I'll put it simply. The problem is that the Prophet, peace be upon him, brought here a diamond of the highest quality, but people have faceted it. And so, under each facet, it is interpreted in its own way, you see. But its essence is diamond and purity, while the facets reflect various things. They begin to reflect people's opinions, but not its inner essence. And on these reflected opinions, religion is built. However, this also misleads other people. And instead of following the straight path, after all, Islam is the straight path, people start going in the wrong direction. Yes.
Игорь Михайлович, you have also said that Islam is a straight path home. And here, you know, such a question arises, who prevents a human being from attaining this path? Who is standing in the way? I recall lines from the Quran where it is said, Iblis is standing, and his slaves. Right. That I will sit on their straight path, and I will come to them from the front and from behind, from their right and from their left, and you will not find them grateful. If we will clarify this somehow, this might help people understand what's been said. Well, this again refers to the most ancient knowledge that was available a long time ago. But again it was told about, we've already mentioned today, the structure of a human being himself. And in terms of energies, the human structure is very complex. Science will one day come to that. But people who practice, who perform certain practices, when they start feeling, it's impossible to see and simply to feel the human structure as, let's say, we feel something with our hands. But when a person is spiritually developing, he starts feeling it. It's neither hallucinations nor person's fantasy, it's practice. And he begins to feel the four sides of, so to say, his structure each of which is responsible for its area. And these structures are still earthly, they still belong to the dead world. These are the so-called essences, as they were called in certain religions. These are the essences that accompany a person, and they are always near the person. For instance, this is well described in Chinese religions, and they are, so to say, endowed with corresponding characteristics, whichever one is responsible for what. But there are also certain practices. By the way, they are described thoroughly in the Alatra book on how to develop this in oneself, that is, setting aside religiousness, and it's simply like meditation. Well, a purely functional practice, what for? For ascertaining that a thought hasn't come yet, but a person already feels, so to say that a certain attack has been carried out towards him. And what starts working is, well, I would compare this to, imagine that you take an electrical appliance, while it has short-circuited, you might get an electric shock. In modern systems there are protectors. As soon as short-circuit happens, you touch, let's say, bare electric wire or the device, which can cause you an electric shock. And automation is immediately activated, and there's no electricity, meaning this is protection. And so you can, not just can, but need to rise to such a level in spiritual development that as soon a thought from shaitan starts approaching you, a protector gets activated and you plunge, plunge even deeper into the spiritual world, let's say, into God's love. Well, this is correct. It's also interesting. This is already when it's working automatically. But one has to come to this first. You have just talked precisely about thoughts. And indeed, there are ayat in the Qur'an where Allah said to Iblis regarding people, incite whoever you can among them with your voice, meaning so that people themselves would exactly choose whom to serve, Allah or Satan. That is, to incite means to give an impulse, to give a push, an impetus, incitement, instigation. And here it is interesting that in physics, incitement or excitation is exactly generation of eddy currents, while in biology it is transition from arrest state to action, meaning there is an understanding of how Iblis is actually acting, that is, he's acting by means of incitement of personality's attention to one or another thought program about the earthly. However, the thing is that a human being hears thoughts. He or she has, let's say, we hear with 
our earthly ears, but we also hear with an inner ear. And these thoughts are imposed on us, sort of, through the inner ear. Just formulate how you perceive a thought. Or you, my friend, how do you perceive a thought? Say, a thought has come. After all, in the beginning, it sometimes comes as a picture, an image. An image. But most often, you detect it when you already hear it. Meaning, who voices this thought within you? Just sit quietly, relax and simply observe your thoughts. Even look at how you're observing. Simply. And you will understand that the thought is not you, it's not your thought. Try to focus it on, well, for instance, on some nail or clip. Put it in front of you and try to look at it. And the first thing your own consciousness will tell you is, well, why should I look at it? What's interesting here? You'll say, no, I have to look, I'm conducting an experiment. All right, there, from behind, you will understand that your thoughts are neither the first nor the second one. But it turns out that what's yours is that there, at a distance, you're observing these actors who are portraying yourself in your head. These are exactly shaitans. These are the ones who are playing with you, my friend. Yes, the earthly life is amusement and game. And you know, now there is an understanding that this game of seduction by Satan begins precisely in thoughts. And a question arises, how should we understand the expression that Iblis will sit on a person's straight path to Allah? After all, this refers to processes in the invisible world, because a human is not a body, a human is not consciousness. For body and consciousness are exactly the earthly, they are perishable and belong to Iblis. Well, a human is personality, a human is a spirit that strives for home, for Allah. And here it is precisely being told about personality, which, again, based on the human structure, personality is not located in one's head, but it seems to us that we are located in our head, because we see through our eyes, we hear through our ears, we have a center that processes information, and personality is in contact with our primary consciousness. And the point of such perception is located in our head, or simply speaking, in the pineal gland. We've talked a lot about it. In that area, thus, personality is located above our head, while the soul is located approximately in the middle of the structure, that is, somewhere in the solar plexus area. Well, let's put it that way. And so between them, there is so-called silver thread. Well, many have heard about it. It is mentioned in many religions. However, consciousness, is located right between personality and the soul. This is exactly what stands in between. The silver thread is a link, owing to which personality is connected with the soul. But please, note one more point. When a person feels offense or something else, a person practices or even prays, he's in a prayerful state, he feels grace inside, he feels this inner warmth, this God's love, and he's fine. But then, well, shaitan isn't weak either, he has whispered to him, and he starts feeling offense, and something even gets squeezed inside, not his heart, but it is squeezed inside, and he no longer feels anything good internally and thoughts are whirling about his head, offense and anger are accumulating, he becomes nervous, aggression emerges, isn't that so? This state is precisely being described in such a way that shaitan is squeezing the silver thread, he's holding on to it tightly, but he can hold it only when his hand is able to span it. However, when a person pays most 
of his attention to the spiritual world. He sends his love, not somewhere to the skies, but to the God that is inside. This is the near path. And he is constantly in contact with God, in spiritual contact, and he develops this contact in him. Then, as they say, personality starts gradually approaching, and the silver thread becomes thicker to such an extent that Shaitan is unable to span it. Well, this is such a… But there is something in this. Yes, Shaitan cannot have power over a heart that knows Allah. Of course. Igor Mikhailovich, the verb whispered is also used when talking about Iblis. And in the Quran it is said that it was exactly the devil who whispered to Adam the desire to attain imperishable power. Whether to whisper or practice sorcery is all the same. Because when a person practices sorcery, or well, he's engaged in magic, he doesn't come out and yell. After all, this is focused whispering. But this is exactly how a demon acts in relation to a person. And who is practicing sorcery at this time? Who is engaged in magic? That very shaitan is. But there is also a personality who at the moment is standing in the back and feeling sad, because what are you doing? Meaning all thoughts, everything that is happening to a person are the moments of… It's exactly Satan's whisper. So, it turns out that Satan's whisper is practicing sorcery and magic. Well, practicing sorcery and magic is when we put, let's say, our attention into a subject of some desire for earthly and for the dead. The person himself. A desire to achieve some kind of power or something else. After all, the very desire to achieve power or to gain power, in order to satisfy one's own megalomania, one's egoism, well, whom is it dictated by? Well, isn't that so? It's not so as to take a certain position in order to convey the essence to people, yes, like the lesser jihad, in order to convey the truth and to serve Allah. But precisely to exalt oneself, right? To exalt oneself over people. Well, you have already exalted yourself, so you've had enough. Many feel and understand this doom and they begin to look for ways out, to build temples or something else. Supposedly it will be taken into account. Well, and the same ones, thirsting for material goods, are exalting them for that. They even write their names on bells, on temples, or something else. Well, well, all this is nonsense, all this is earthly. Here, you've brought up such a topic, it is also said in Islam that non-believers and polytheists will be away from the Lord behind a veil. And this is the understanding of polytheism in the modern world, because people think that it is some kind of archaism or historicism, an expression that has been taken out of circulation. No. And they imagine it in some way. What is polytheism in the modern world? After all, a person making the cult of power, money and idols his top priority. These are the gods whom they pray to. A person has a jug of water, and he can use this jug for his intended purpose, to drink from it in order not to die and to get home. Or he can give water to some little animal, so that it would bow down to him. What does a wise person do? He spares his source. Every drop. Yes, every drop. Every drop in order to have enough to reach home, for his family and his loving friends are awaiting him at home. 
for his home is there. Whereas, what does the fool do? He starts giving this water to all sorts of animals he meets on the way, so that they would walk around him. Sing in chorus and exalt him, what a fine man he is, that he is the smartest of all, that he is the kindest of all, and how remarkable he is, and that all the heaven gates will be opened before him. Will this fool come home or not? No. Because he's just a fool. But isn't this how we live in this world? And in this case, every animal is his God, his desire which he gives something to. God is home, and one should understand. To return home means to return where his human soul has come from. However, he has an opportunity to merge with it and to return home. If there's no soul, the person won't return. Unlike any creature, unlike any animal, a human being is the only one who has a soul. So how can he or she waste energy on a soulless creature in order to become like it or to listen to its flattery? Well, isn't this how we act, my friends? And what do we desire? And there are also those who… Well, right now you've just mentioned those who desire power. But there are also those who wish to obey, namely… And not only power, even a desire to obey is nothing but power. Yes, it's the flip side. By obeying, you manipulate right. another person. And we encounter this, especially in families, in groups. Well, this is merely… Yes, and again, what is happening in religion itself? Instead of working themselves and striving for the Almighty on their own, people… They shift responsibility to… Responsibility, they listen. But who are all these people, after all? It turns out these are their gods. That of is, course. if this person tells you how to live… If he listens to, let's say, his spiritual advisor, who tells him a foolish thing and leads him along a false path, but he worships him, he feels that this is wrong. He understands that his words don't comply with the Holy Scripture, but he obeys him. Hence, the person's God is this… Mortal one. Mortal being, whom he has bowed to. Yes. And his lot is the same as the lot of this person, who has got a false idea that he's God, or that he's a representative of God. Meaning, like you've said, the person doesn't listen to the Scripture, doesn't listen to the words of the Prophets who were bringing these Scriptures, but listens Certainly. to the same mortals. After all, this is… Who have lost their way, just like him. This is also mentioned in the Qur'an, in Surah 2, Ayah 165. Of course. And everything is said correctly here. And it's very profound. If you love anything more than Allah, this means that is your God. Right. That's the point. Igor Mikhailovich, I would also like to note another point, that regarding these polytheists, in one of the programs, you've clearly revealed the fact that actually majority of people who are in the religions, they are atheists. Indeed, unfortunately, many people are actually polytheists in the meaning that they don't worship God. Surely. They don't follow what the Prophets were teaching. Over 99%. We've mentioned this in previous program. Over, these are people who knowingly, knowingly, I emphasize, do not serve God. As for the one remaining percent, a majority of them, a prevailing majority, we won't shock you with figures. Well, they only believe that they serve Him. Yes. And only few really serve.
This is the truth of today. Although everything changes, should those have a desire? Inshallah. Of course. This will also change. Should those who really serve God have a desire, let's say, to get through not just a greater jihad, but also, but also lesser the lesser one. one, and everything will change. Right, after all, this is so important. Yes. Certainly, after all, people. This is people's world. In fact, God has created this world not for Satan, but for people, for them to be able to come here and win. Not to lose, but to win. And God has given such a chance to everyone. Well, it's human choice. It's like to prove one's love to the Almighty. Of course. And to show Him one's gratitude. And many people say, well, after all, I haven't seen the truth. Well, how is it you haven't seen the truth? After all, everyone encounters it, everyone feels and everyone sees. You didn't want to. You got tempted by something else. Well, that's the choice, isn't it? Igor Mikhailovich, you've just said that even among the 1% of these people, there are very few of those who sincerely feel God. And that's exactly what Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said regarding the fact that the Qur'anic ayat will become empty. What was actually meant by this, that they will become empty? The fact that people won't see the true meaning, that there will be no clues to the knowledge for the understanding of what is written there. And such times will come when people won't understand what the straight path to God is, what the spiritual world is. And in those times there will come the one who will renew the knowledge and will show the straight path. It's Imam Mahdi. And in the previous program you've raised the issue of the banner of Mahdi. And I would like to read aloud what you've said, because misunderstanding arose among people regarding this point. You've said that Mahdi's army is the army of the faithful to Allah, who are ready to step forward along with Mahdi himself under the banner, under the banner on which only one word will be written. The name that should be written on the banner is Allah, God. And here misunderstanding arose among people. What word will that be? Maybe these are Allah's epithets, or in which language should it actually be written? I expressed this in modern understanding. But if we approach this from the perspective of the primordial, then, let's say, at those times, there was such a concept as a sign script, and a sign was written. There is a difference between setting a sign and writing a sign. And so the essence was reflected exactly when a sign was conveyed or written. And it's natural that this word, which means God, or Allah, will be written in a sign. So it's not a modern understanding. Meaning the representative of the spiritual world while being in this world? Well, I would, you know, I would even leave this concealed for those who understand the essence, which sign in particular will be on the banner of Imam Mahdi when he comes. Why would we disclose it, right? For it itself. May only those see it who feel and understand it, while the sign will have just one meaning, God, or God's power, as it is otherwise interpreted. God's love. God's love, right. Well, God's power is exactly God's love. It's precisely His love. And God's love is exactly God. That's the point. 
You've just said, why would we disclose it? And there is an understanding and awareness and feeling that this sign itself reveals inside a human being the most valuable, the best that he or she has. It is love for the spiritual world. That's the point. Igor Mikhailovich, thus we've approached the topic which has certainly roused the hearts of many people, especially in the previous video. And we've received a lot of letters on this subject, the topic of Imam Mahdi. And we would like to ask you to expand on some points in more detail. In particular, I would probably like to begin with the fact that Prophet Muhammad mentioned Imam Mahdi's name will be the same as my name. Like my name, and his father's name will be like my father's name. Yes, and here there has also been such a topic at all times for, one could say, speculation, when… Speculation, manipulation, well, that's natural. Well, that's interesting, because the Prophet Muhammad said that I have many names, and if we look at the names of the Prophet Muhammad in the Quran and the Hadith, there are more than a hundred of them. Ahmad, Bashir, the one who is the messenger of joy, and Hashir, who gathers people. So what name will it be, right? Yes, and the question is, about which one? We expanded on it in the previous program, that the name is simple, a human. And the father's name? Reflecting his essence. And his father was the true father. After all, father is not the one who was the father of his body, but the father who made him immortal and great. Namely, when it is said that he will be from my kin and from my family, it is meant precisely. And, and what is the true family of the Prophet, peace be upon him? To what family does he belong now? The spiritual family. These are the huts that Even more. have returned home to. These are the angels that make up God's world. The Holy Brotherhood as the spiritual world, the Holy Brotherhood, called in the Quran. Absolutely right. The Holy Brotherhood. It is also interesting that it is described that for a certain while Imam Mahdi will be in some hidden state that… Constrained. Yes, that people won't see him, but he will still lead his own, well, kind of righteous struggle. Also, we have managed to find that, it turns out, this state of Al-Ghaib is very similar to the term which actually existed in early Islam, to the term Lahut, which was identified with the Holy Spirit, which was identified with the Divine Light. And it would also be nice to understand, so it turns out that the hidden state of Imam Mahdi is exactly this state of inner grace, the state of love, and that which the Holy Spirit gives. Well, he's hidden from the earthly eyes, and, let's say, from those in whom demons reign. But those people who live by the spiritual world, for whom God's love is the most important, for those one he is open, like an open book, and they feel and communicate with him. Yes, and by the way, regarding communication, after all, very many people have been saying that they claim a certain right of communication with the Imam, and that they receive divine guidance from him. 
how to conduct affairs, how to sort of manage or direct life of the community. So a question arises, what is this divine guidance, and is this, so to say, right of communication with Mahdi granted to every person? Or is it a prerogative of some authority figures? It's not a right, it's an obligation. Every person who really strives for God is obliged to communicate, he's obliged to hear, first of all, the one whom Allah has sent. He has sent him here exactly, so that the alive ones would hear him, but he is hidden solely to the dead ones to those who are controlled by shaitans in their heads. For they say, no, this is impossible. They see and feel the angel that is fluttering inside, and they recognize him. But shaitans say, no, it's impossible. And people accept what shaitans dictate to them, but not what their angel is telling them. Yes. And for this very reason, Prophet Muhammad said that the one who accepts his guidance would be saved from the hellfire, while the one who goes against him, he… Yes, those who come to love him will yes. be granted paradise, those who accept him will be… And here you've said the most important thing, who love, meaning love is that very bridge which any believer should pass to reach the boundless and eternal world. Also, Igor Mikhailovich, you've raised such a topic that it turns out, on the one hand, there are those people who are really awaiting Imam Mahdi, because he is the light for them. But there are those who are afraid of him. Yes, but there are those who are afraid of him, and so… And those who are afraid are not those who, say, don't know about him or don't want to communicate with him, but those who understand what Mahdi's advent is. They are afraid not of him, they are afraid of what it means. The end of their power. The end of everything, or the beginning of something new. However, understanding the human essence and knowing the power that Iblis has here, they are afraid of Mahdi's advent, for the end times are coming. And this is true. People has two paths. One path is leading to life, the other one is leading to death. And the advent of Kaim means determination of the path that people will follow. After all, it's not he who actually determines, but people. And he accepts their choice. He brings the essence to them. If they accept it, it means they live. It means that there will be a millennial reign, say, with Allah and not with Satan. Whereas if they choose Satan, this is their right then such a prophecy will be fulfilled. But in actual fact, in the Hadith it is said precisely that the advent of Imam Mahdi will mark the beginning of a new era, that this will be the revival of Islam in its purity. And what's interesting is that he will not bring in a new religion. Religion is brought by prophets, and the last prophet was Muhammad, peace be upon him, for there are no other prophets and there won't be. Igor Mikhailovich, as the Hadith say, when Kaim comes, Kaim is one of Imam Mahdi's epithets. People will interpret the Qur'an against him and will argue with him by means of the Qur'an. Well, isn't that so? Here we are, ordinary people. We're talking about the sacred now. And how many rumors against us came from that side? 
And who was outraged? Angels? No, they advocated for us. Then who? That's the answer. Although it is said exactly about Mahdi that he is precisely the interpreter of the true, of the real meaning of the Qur'an. Of the meaning, I emphasize. Yes, the essence of the Qur'an. But not of every comma that people have posted. Right, and it turns out that these people are hiding behind these commas in order to… What authority was I talking about? I precisely meant this power, the power of electorate. Of course. Because this fear lives in them, they are afraid that Mahdi will reveal the essence of Islam, that… And they will lose power over people. Yes, over people, that is… While… what is said? It is said that no human must have power over another human. Isn't that so? And so it will be. And people will come to this. Otherwise there will be nothing at all. And where there was world, there will be nothing. By the world I mean the entire material world. Igor Mikhailovich, we've just been talking about people who, so to say, have chosen this path of power for themselves, right? Yet, having felt Mahdi, they can also change the vector of their direction. They… They are just humans. So, at any moment, any person can refuse… To serve Satan. And power can be used in different ways. After all, the one who serves Satan calls it power, while the one who serves God calls it opportunity, let's say, and responsibility, no matter which position one has. After all, it's just a responsible position that someone must fill. And when a person realizes that he is temporary here, but he's got opportunities to improve something, and he makes every effort to do it right and well for people, but to do it in such a way that it would please Allah, that's the right leader. Whereas the one who acts differently is the one in power. And the difference between a leader and those in power is huge. It's like heaven and hell. It is interesting that it is said that spiritual knowledge will live in his heart. And also, how should this be interpreted? In order to understand what you have said, one needs to understand who he is. After all, who is in his heart, as they say? God, love, the spiritual world, he himself is… People will see only the body with their earthly eyes. Yet who is hiding in this body? Who is constrained within this molecular set of clothes? Of clothes. And that's the point. The Great Spirit. I'd also like to share what is written in the Hadith regarding what Mahdi will do and what the world will be like. Oh, they interpret it in different ways. We have already discussed in the previous program that people expect from him that he should come and do something take something away from some people and give it to others. Well, yes, on the one hand, it is sort of said how the Ummah will increase, what the harvests will be, and how many various material benefits will come to the believers. Let me put it simply. Will Mahdi really come and sow your fields? Will he really reap your harvest? He's a sower, and he's also the one who reaps the harvest. But the harvest is different. It's not material. He sows the truth. 
and gathers angels under his wings. That's his job. While sowing fields and reaping the harvest of wheat or something else is the lot of people. Igor Mikhailovich, it is also mentioned that he will purify true faith of all heresies, of all extraneous elements, and that there will be unity of all believers under his guidance. No, he will just tell the essence, that universal grain which is contained in all religions, he will merely tell about this. But whether to accept it and purify themselves, it all depends on people. If they accept what he tells them, they will get purified of heresy. But if they don't accept, they will remain with it. And here you've mentioned the key point, people of all religions will unite in one big family. After all, any religion calls for God, and any temple is God's temple, and not a temple of Muslims or Christians. For you pray to one God, hence it's my God, and you pray exactly to Him. Aren't you one family? No matter which name we use. Isn't that right? Absolutely right. What do people argue about and fight over, over epithets? Epithets separate them, as well as desires of those third ones, who want you to regard them as messengers of God, who liken themselves to those who came here and brought the knowledge. Isn't it so? How many people put themselves, or try to put themselves, at the level of the Prophet himself, peace be upon him? It happened even during his lifetime. Even during his lifetime. And how many did so after his death? Because they liked his glory, but they didn't see the pain and grief which he feels for each of you. Isn't it so? It is. No one has taken this pain, but everyone wanted his glory. This brilliance, right. Of course, after all, it was not without a reason that I gave the example of a crude diamond and a cut diamond. Islam is like a crude diamond. But who has seen a real crude diamond as it is? It basically doesn't reflect sunbeams, and it is crystal clear and can be looked through. But what about a cut diamond? A cut diamond shines. Shines. And its inner essence is not visible. Isn't that so? Right. And there are many facets. And there are many facets. Yes. Igor Mikhailovich, you've just said that there were many of those who wanted to liken themselves to Muhammad. But, after all, it is the same story with Imam Mahdi. There were so many of those in the world at all times who exploited this name, who… To the devil's dictation. After all, what is that very Iblis doing? He sends liars who during peaceful times or at wartime use the name of the one whom the faithful to Allah are waiting. And this liar introduces himself by the messenger's name and establishes earthly power for himself. And what were such people doing? They distributed somebody else's property among themselves, didn't they? And why all this was done? In order to close the eyes of those who would live in the end days, or not in the end days. And after all, they must decide whether these are the end days for humanity, or on the contrary, the end days of the humanity's torments. But how can these people see when so many times others came and deceived them? Satan sent liars so many times. Igor Mikhailovich, but there are indeed people who feel and hear the call of Imam Mahdi. And these 
are the people whom nothing stops on the way to him. They come in order to express and present to him their respect and esteem, and in order to join Mahdi's army. And what's amazing is that a prevailing majority among these people are precisely women. And certainly, neither territories, nor language barriers, nor any intrigues or tricks of their consciousness stop them. Nothing stops women in… Well, not just women, but men also. However, there are more women indeed. Why is there such a… When Mahdi comes, he will endow each of his warriors with the power of, how is it said there, 40 men or one woman, and this has been forgotten. In the spiritual aspect, a woman is much stronger than a man. That's why women feel faster and deeper. A woman is a mother. Don't be offended, men, but none of the men produce offspring. Men are not endowed with the right to give life, while a woman gives it. That's why the Prophet emphasized the role of a woman so much, didn't he? In this world. And he said that paradise lies at the feet of mothers. Of course. There are numerous of other hadith where the importance is exactly emphasized. How he himself actually treated women. Yes. And what did the system do? Yes. How it twisted all this. How everything got twisted in that very Islam, and women were belittled. Why? After all, a physically strong man can easily subdue a woman physically, but only physically. Yes. Whereas in spiritual terms, a woman is much stronger. Yes, here… They do feel more and better. And that's why they prevail even now, when Mahdi is hidden, but they feel and find, just to show their respect, to show that they are here, and they join his ranks. Igor Mikhailovich, it is mentioned that at the times when Mahdi will be in the world, a call will be coming from him, which people will be able to hear. What kind of a call is this? Well, this was also said not only about Mahdi, but in many religions, that there would be a call. This is what really exists, and paradoxically, it wasn't there. Just recently it wasn't there. But now it is. And this is even a physical phenomenon. Well, I can tell you the easiest method to hear it. And at that, this is it's not a meditation, not a prayer, or some kind of hypnosis. We are sitting here and simply talking. That's because many people might interpret it differently to the dictation of shaitan and he doesn't like this, because I will now tell about the truth. And the truth is simple, and everyone can hear, the one who wants it all. You just need to sit down and calm down, just close your eyes and relax, and try to hear the beating of your heart with your inner gaze. Just try, you can try right now or after the program, or whenever you want. It doesn't matter whether you are an atheist, whoever you are. Simply try to hear your heartbeat by looking inside yourself. Be sure to direct your attention inward, and your eyes must be closed. 
for open earthly eyes will distract and attention will be directed where it shouldn't be directed now. And when you close your eyes and direct it inwards to your heart, you can hear it beating. This is the first stage. And when you hear your heart beating, direct even more attention to it, so that you hear exactly this rhythm, these very heartbeats. Don't imagine, but feel physically. And as soon as you feel it, immerse your attention even deeper to the solar plexus area. And in the solar plexus area, just listen. At first, it will seem to you that impulses from vessels are also going to the beat of the heart. But put even more of your attention, and you will feel, you will feel waves diverging from there, which don't coincide with the rhythm of your heartbeat at all. These are elastic waves spreading throughout the body. And the more attention you invest, the more clearly you will hear these waves. With warmth, even with heat, they spread throughout the body. And this physical phenomenon is absolutely real. But as soon as you open your eyes and get a bit distracted, and this will go away, and the rhythm of these waves emanating from the soul, is equated to the breath of the sun, precisely to the rhythm of the sun's breath. Many will say, does the sun really breathe? It does. And it has its rhythm, and it absolutely coincides with these waves that come from within. It's the breath of the whole world. It is precisely what is now seen and felt. And they say that it will reach hearts, and this beat will be going to hearts. Have you tried it? You will understand that these waves are going to the heart and to the back and spread throughout the body. Well, it passes quickly if you get a bit distracted, and that's all, you've lost it. And very few people understand what is behind this. And this is not science fiction at all, this is reality, which is basically accessible to any person who's able to calm down shaitans in his head at least a little bit and who's able to direct his gaze inwards. Well, this… It is just that now there is an understanding why Imam Mahdi was called the Solar Pole. And what people feel and see when they open their eyes changes them very much and at once. It changes the reality around. And this is really an inner state that cannot be confused with anything. And you understand why there are still so many people who feel, hear, and go towards Mahdi. It's just because this is eternity, because this is life, because this is everyone's home, where one must come. Putting aside everything alien and all these masks that one has put on, that's the point. The point is in life, but there is no point in death. There are no exceptions. Every person is able to feel this. Everyone. And the most interesting thing is that, as I have already said, until just a short while ago, such a phenomenon didn't exist. And many people feel this and wonder, why? What is it? 
what kind of waves are emanating that pour heat over people. Many have felt this heat, but it's not described anywhere. And the most interesting thing is this rhythm. Well, it definitely doesn't coincide with the heart rhythm. However, just to reach it without concentration on the heart first, and then on what people call the soul or the solar plexus area, it won't work. Later on you can immediately concentrate, if you do this several times. But guys, I want to say right away, this is just a call. It just means that this breath has increased, and you can feel it physically. But under no circumstances this is what leads to salvation. And don't confuse it with the lotus meditation. Lotus is spiritual work. It is, first of all, that love which you send to soul. And this is what gives life. Well, this is just a practice I've told you about. Even the inevitably dead can hear this. But the question is, can he come alive? That is already a different question. And here it should also be explained for our friends who Mahdi is. Just from a simple perspective, Mahdi is an epidemiologist, a doctor, who, let's say, is sent here to stop this pandemic of Satan, which he produced here. After all, those little angels that are sleeping in each one of you, my friends, are simply infected with those demons that you have in your head, which you perceive as yourselves. And this infection just kills these little angels. While Mahdi is a doctor, an epidemiologist, he has come and tells you, in order for you to survive, you need to do this and that, how you should, say, maintain hygiene in your consciousness, and where to go to breathe the real air, and how to achieve this. However, under no circumstances does he hand out a pill to everyone individually, so that he is cured. No. These are your concerns, and you must do this if you want to live. That's why they called him Al-Jabir, the one who soothes. heals the hearts, the one who soothes people's hearts. Igor Mikhailovich, it is interesting that it is said that when Imam Mahdi, when Qa'im is here, 13 women will join him, who will be together with him, who will be heart healers. It is said in different ways. Who will cure people's wounds, what is actually meant? Well, it is precisely the revival of the Alad sisters that is sort of meant. After all, it is not being told to the end, but in the past it was known when Mahdi comes, and if the world chooses life, then the heavenly gardens will be revived. And the heavenly gardens are impossible without the Alad sisters. It is interesting that the Kaaba. He'll leave, but they will stay, and for a thousand years they will keep Satan, let's say, powerless to say anything to people or to hinder them in any way. Igri Mikhailovich, and what are the heavenly gardens? After all, so much is mentioned about this. Both the Kaaba and the area around it used to be called the gardens of the Alad sisters, and heaven is called the gardens of refuge. Well, unlike the Alad sisters, the heavenly gardens are merely an associative image of something wonderful, where one can breathe easily and where one wants to stay. 
Whereas the gardens of the Alat sisters were the gardens which really existed in the past, and in which there resided those who stood guard, so to say, and who were holding the one whom we call Satan, tightly sealed, so that he wouldn't hinder people. That was the golden millennium, that which every soul, the soul of every human being is striving for, and which, so to say, all people of the world are called for to build exactly such a millennium, and that which should basically be not just for a thousand years, but forever, in the world among people. And this will always be. However, the devil is the devil. Igor Mikhailovich, it is also very valuable and interesting that it is mentioned in the Hadith that Imam Mahdi will not need to engage in any populistic appeals in order to be recognized. And what for? That precisely people themselves, people themselves will feel that spiritual being, that eminence of the Spirit and his deeds and his… I have just said and compared Imam Mahdi to an epidemiologist. After all, I haven't called him a pathologist. After all, Imam Mahdi's task is not to gather the dead, but to help the alive. And that's the point. And he's actually the one led by Allah. He's called Fisabilallah. He's also one of the epithets, the one who is led by Allah. And there's one more epithet, the one who is guided by the truth. Guided by the truth. And facilitates the other's ability to attain the truth. Certainly, is his function. Yes. Precisely to bring people to the truth, or as the essence of that very doctor, to ensure that people recover. That's why the Prophet said that the one who doesn't feel and doesn't recognize Mahdi will die death of the times of ignorance. Smart ones will now understand what has happened, while others don't need it. Igor Mikhailovich, it is also said that people will recognize him by his personality and by those deeds which will take place in the world, and that his activity will be aimed at the entire global community, that the truth will be spreading all over the world. And certainly in this connection there is plenty of incomprehension, because in order to spread the truth all over the world, Mahdi should be everywhere. But he is everywhere, everywhere where life is. For I would compare him to the breath of life, that which we've just been talking about, and he is in everyone who accepts him. You have just said breath, Igor Mikhailovich. I recalled, there is such a notion as sakina. One of the meaning is a pleasant breeze of heaven. And so the one who has now felt, he can… A pleasant breath of wind, yes. That is, he's exactly the one who like Al-Jabir, right? And what a heart being soothed with, precisely with this pleasant breeze of heaven. Only this way. By the way, going back to the Allah sisters, it's also been said about them that they are heavenly birds that can bring this Sakina, meaning can spread soaring. the soaring birds, right? After all, the point of the Alat sisters is exactly in the fact that they are neither on earth nor in heaven. While staying here in bodies, they are abiding there. And their essence is, when Mahdi leaves, to keep this life, to keep this breath, and to retain it, this breath restrains Satan. But again, they will be restraining him when, 
people reject the beast's dictatorship within themselves. When they reject what he whispers to them, what he offers. Of course, if they choose life, then this will be so. But if they say, we don't need Mahdi, we are okay with the devil, we want to live at least a little, but as appropriate for a human, whereas appropriate for a human is now slightly changed. While in the past, attainment of life eternal was considered to be that which was appropriate for a human. Now it is attainment of power and pleasures. Wealth, yes. Yes, and we see that precisely. This change, these desires, which are imposed by shaitan, have become a basis for substitution of understanding of what heaven is, to recline on cushions, doing nothing at that. Everyone is pleasing you, but at the same time you are eating. Because if you are lying, you must eat. It's logical. And you will get any kind of poultry you want. But after eating it, and here's a question, what kind of heaven is it if there is murder in it? After all, you eat a bird. And what way out has shaitan suggested to them? Don't eat bones, and meat will grow on again, by Allah's will. Allah is the Lord of everything. But trust me, both poultry and meat, as well as your meat and your bones belong to Satan, not to Allah. Right. After all, even our body actually belongs to Satan. It's dead, inevitably dead. And the Prophet said this too. And it consists of dead. And in the body of each of you, there are particles of billions of stars and millions of other people. And this is worth thinking about too. Igor Mikhailovich, when you were telling how a person can feel the call of Mahdi while guiding the person, you were talking about the solar plexus. And it is interesting that I've also recalled that in the Quran truly faithful people were compared to bees. They didn't accept anything except the good and didn't give anything except the good. And it is interesting that in the Quran it is mentioned that a drink of various colors will flow out of the bellies of these bees, while some people interpret it as various shades, various colors, or as a nectar of various colors that will heal people. Just like sunbeams, when they flow through raindrops, they split into various colors. The breath of the sun. What one feels while being in contact with the spiritual world, this is also described… These are infinite colors, love and joy. These are infinite shades of happiness, which never end. And they overfill hearts of the worthy ones. For this very reason, in the Quran it is said that whoever Allah wants to guide along the straight path, He expands His breast to Islam, that is, the solar plexus was meant. After all, it is not said there that one's mind is expanded or, say, of course, one's brain is expanded, but precisely one's breast is expanded to Islam. That's actually what's being said, yes. Therefore, our friends, let's live with our breast open, so that Allah may live in there. Peace be upon all of you. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you.